Well, good morning once again, everybody. I hope you, uh, uh, again, are you and your family are doing well. <clears throat> uh, once again, I want to encourage you to let us know any prayer requests that you may have to be sure and, and, uh, and, and submit those to us so that we can pray for you week in and week out. <clears throat> well, as uh, maybe you figured out, uh, last Sunday we started back on our series that we began a few months ago. Um, uh, through the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Again, it's a little small four-chapter book in the New Testament. Again, that we call the book of Philippians. And we're calling this series Unspeakable Joy. And that's because joy is the dominant theme in this little letter of the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. Uh, which reminded me this week that one of, one of my greatest joys in life is being a grandparent. I'm sure, sure that some of you can relate to that. And uh, I, although I, I, I have three, we, we have uh, a little boy who is turned five in June, another little boy who will turn five in November, and a little girl who will turn three in about three weeks, turning three but going on 16. <laughs> uh, I call the boys the cuz bros. Now, um, I, I, I do also have to confess that I, I had a, a, an initial fail as a grandparent when the two boys were handed to me in my arms for the first time. There we go. <laughs> I, I think I recovered from that, but anyway. Uh, the picture that you saw just a moment ago is the picture of the three kids as we uh, had them together just about a week and a half ago. If you want to put that one back up there, that'd be great. Um, that we, that we, had, we had them with us uh, about a week and a half ago, and uh, they were a joyful time uh, together. And one of the things that we did while they were there and, and please know that I am not a fisherman, uh, but I thought it would be fun to take them fishing down a little pond in our neighborhood there. And uh, so we, we got some poles and we got some worms and, and the morning came and we got up and we were going to take them down to go fishing. So we, we did that and boy, they, they love those worms. <laughs> they love the worms and they got a kick as we, you know, we were putting the worms on the hook for them and that sort of thing. And, and we threw that first cast into the, into the pond and handed the pole off. Uh, and, and wouldn't you know it, I mean, within just a couple of minutes, got our first nibble, got our first bite, caught our first fish. Again, just within two minutes. I, and within about no more than 10 minutes, they caught six fish. I mean, the kids absolutely loved it. I mean, they, they were so joyful <clears throat> for about 15 minutes. <laughs> and then they were ready to head off to the next adventure of the day, whatever that might be. Their joy leaked. Now, that's uh, kind of a parable of the Christian life, is it not? Do you ever discover that your joy in Christ has a tendency to leak? <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, in verse 1, the Apostle Paul comes back to this theme of joy. He says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. See, the Apostle Paul knows that the joy in Christ the Philippians have tends to leak, and he wants to safeguard them for them. He wants to help them plug that leak. And so he now goes on to give them essentially three helps for plugging the leak. First of all, he wants them to be secure, secure in their foundation of joy, which is grace. It's grace. In Philippi, 
false teachers had, had come into the city and were seeking to lead the Christians astray. The Apostle Paul addresses those false teachers in verse 2. He says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. And Paul sounded a very loud alarm here. He calls these false teachers dogs. Now, dogs in that culture were very much different than what we think of as dogs in our day. I mean, very, very, it was very rare that anybody kept a dog as a pet at that time. They did not make lovable pets. I, I remember uh, years ago hearing Charles Swindoll tell the story about these four college girls who, back when it was safe to do so, crossed the border of Texas and went into Mexico to go shopping. And while they were uh, near the market there, they were, they were walking along the street and they saw what appeared to be an abandoned group of Chihuahua puppies. And so they, they bought a blanket, <clears throat> wrapped them up in the blanket, took them home and started to take care of them. That is until one of their more astute friends showed up the next day to see these lovable new puppies and let the girls know that those were not puppies, but those were baby river rats. <laughs> <laughs> now, as, as you can imagine, that, that elicited a little bit different reaction, a little bit different response from those young ladies than what they'd been giving those river rats before. <laughs> well, in Paul's day, dogs were like river rats to us, scavengers, dangerous, devoured everything in sight. In the same way, he's saying these false teachers are dogs. These false teachers are dangerous too. He calls them evildoers who are mutilators of the flesh. It almost kind of makes them sound like serial killers, but they didn't physically kill the Corinthians, but they spiritually killed their joy. And so how exactly were they doing that? You see, when Paul came through Philippi on that mission journey, he laid the foundation of grace by through, by, by, of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ among them. And these false teachers had come in and were taking a sledgehammer to that foundation, giving them false teaching, saying that you know, the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross was not enough, that they needed so much more. And the more that they needed, they essentially told them that you need to become Jews first, which meant that they needed to be physically circumcised and then that they also needed to keep the dietary laws that Jews are supposed to keep. In other words, Again, they were teaching that the work of Christ was not enough. They had to do these other things too. Circumcision, all this religious rule keeping, all added to God's grace. We call that legalism. Legalism. And legalism is a huge killjoy. In verse 3, the Apostle Paul writes, For it is we who are the real circumcision." We who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. He's saying that is we put no confidence in all that stuff that those dogs are falsely slaying that you must also do. Paul is saying that those who are truly circumcised are those whose hearts have been circumcised by the Holy Spirit's work of grace. Circumcision is nothing more than just a physical mark. But what what truly marks us is not the physical cutting away that's performed in, in infancy, Paul is saying, but it's when the Holy Spirit cuts open a person's heart and takes up residence in there. That's the true circumcision. So Paul says, don't let them pile on all these legalistic burdens upon you and kill your joy. Paul knows 
so well of that of which he speaks here, <laughs> so very well, because he has been there and done that to the nth degree. And the last part of verse 6, again, and up through verse 6, he's saying, we put no confidence in the flesh, that is, those physical actions. Though, he says, I myself have plenty of reasons for such confidence. I mean, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, that is, in circumcision, all that religious rule-keeping, he says, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based upon the law, that is the keeping of rules and regulations, he says, I was faultless. Paul's saying, listen, if you're going to measure spirituality by all, by all those kinds of things, no one can outdo me. Paul knew that all of that was just a spiritual, joyless, was a, a joyless spiritual dead end. Absolutely joyless. Now, some of you may have grown up in a family or possibly in a church that stole your joy, that in essence killed your joy in Christ by putting all kinds of legalistic expectations upon you, judgmental attitudes towards you. In fact, I know that some of you experienced that because you shared that with us, along with expressing your appreciation and gratitude for this church where you have been loved and accepted and found your joy in Christ again, for which all of us are grateful. Friends, don't be a legalistic killjoy. <clears throat> now, as you hear me say that, you're probably thinking, or many of you may be thinking, well, yes, I, I'm really not. I, I really am not. Oh, please, let me encourage you. Be very, very careful during this period of time in our society. You know, everything, everything has, has, been, has become so politicized, and yet we haven't even gotten into the heat of the election season yet. So please, beware. Far too often these days among Christians, spirituality, is being measured by a person's politics and political viewpoints. Please be very careful at that point. Anytime you judge someone's spirituality by anything other than the grace of God in Christ, you are being a legalistic killjoy. Don't be a killjoy. So the Apostle Paul says, plug the leak by securing the foundation of grace in your life. Also, he goes on to say, plug the leak by keeping your relationship with Christ the number one priority in your life. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. See, what Paul is doing, he said, he said, listen, think of my life as a profit and loss statement. A profit and loss statement. He says, and let me be very clear, he says, about what is truly profit and what is truly loss, because we tend to get those things easily confused sometimes. Paul says, when I think of all the things that I gained by my status, my reputation, my religious accomplishments in those earlier years, he says, I write them all off as a total and complete loss 
when compared to the gain that I've found in knowing Jesus Christ. He's saying that one of the great killjoys in life happens. Happens. When we, when our hearts are deceived to such an extent that we take our eyes off of the priority of Christ and start putting a higher priority on other stuff, on other stuff. On that, and please know that usually does not happen all at once overnight, does it? It happens as a result of a drift, a steady drift, where almost imperceptibly we start giving in to the deceit that greater joy is somehow found in something else or someone else other than the person of Jesus Christ. You know, some of you, for example, may have been to a beach somewhere this summer, and as you played out in the surf, you experienced that phenomenon, that, that subtle drift of what's called the undertow. I mean, you may have started out playing in one area there, there along the beach, and then all of a sudden, you know, 45 minutes later, you look up, and, and you have subtly drifted down shore about 100 yards without even realizing it. In life, that subtle drift away from Christ will kill your joy. That undertow in life of possessions and people and pleasure, I mean, you name it, will pull you more and more away from Jesus until one day you wake up and you suddenly realize just how far away you've gone. Well, Paul makes no bones about the fact that he'd given up a lot of stuff a lot of stuff that, that he had once put on the prophet side of his life. Again, his status, his religion, his, rit his rituals, his reputation, and so much more. But he compared, he says, compared to knowing Jesus Christ, he says, I consider all that stuff garbage, garbage. Now, actually, the term that he uses there that we have translated garbage is about as strong and vivid of a term as you can think of to describe something that was absolutely worthless to him now. In fact, it could be better translated, and I'll say this sensitively, as doo-doo. <laughs> doo-doo. Or worse, and that's a word I won't use here this morning, obviously, but that's how strong Paul feels about this. You know, <clears throat> as I was studying this, I, I, I couldn't help but pray, Lord, <laughs> please give me more of that same perspective of the spiritual reality of the blessing that I have in a relationship with Jesus Christ versus that other stuff, the, the silly stuff that I find myself too often trying to pursue. And, and let me say this. Listen, if, if you are hearing these words this morning and you're considering a commitment to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, but your hesitation is because you, you're afraid that there's all kinds of stuff that you may have to give up, Consider these words of a friend of mine who struggled in that very same way until he finally gave his life to Christ and never looked back, by the way. This is what he said. He said, Hess, it was as though, it was as though Jesus changed the price tags for me. The things that I for so long feared being without, the things I'd always wanted, suddenly didn't mean anything anymore. And what mattered most, what gave me the most joy, was Jesus. And it can be the same for you. The same for you. Plug that joy leak by securing the foundation of grace in your life and by keeping your relationship with Christ your primary priority. 
And then next, the Apostle Paul says, in essence, make sure your life goals are his and not yours. Beginning in verse 9, Paul writes, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And then listen to what he says. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. That's the power, by the way, that's available to us in our lives each and every day. The power that raised Christ from the dead. I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I can confidently say to you this morning that the greatest joy that you can experience in life is when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are fulfilling God's purpose, God's goal for your life. Plain and simple. You know, after his, after his conversion, Paul knew that from that moment forward, life was not about him, that it was about Jesus Christ. And it was about Christ no matter what may come. Obviously, he said, no matter what may come, even suffering, suffering. Again, verse 10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, maybe you're thinking, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, my guess is that, that um, when you were led to Christ, nobody told you about that part, right? <laughs> Yet many, you know, many of our gospel presentations begin with a statement that, that, that is something like this, you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that is so very true. That is so very true. But that wonderful plan may also include suffering. But American Christians don't like suffering, do we? <laughs> We just don't. When, when Christians in America encounter suffering, especially in some widespread kind of way, such as a, a pandemic or social unrest and all kinds of divisiveness and so on and so forth, what do we do? We start thinking, well, it must be a sign of the times. I guess Jesus must be about to come back. We have to be careful at this point. Because we tend to be so very egocentric when it comes to our perspective as American Christians of what God is up to in this world. You see, long before now, Christians in other parts of the world have experienced much greater suffering than any of us in America could even begin to imagine. And yet, most of us never gave a moment's thought on their behalf that it could possibly be a sign that Jesus was coming back. Now, Please don't misunderstand me. Jesus is coming back. He could have come back last summer just as much as he could have come back this summer. No one knows the day or the hour. But back to what the Apostle Paul is saying here, as you pursue his goals for your life, don't recoil from the fact that it may include suffering in some way for Jesus Christ. Remember, Joy in life is not found in a life that is always problem and pain-free. It's not. Rather, the greatest joy in life, the deepest abiding joy that you'll experience, is found when you discover that when you go through times of suffering, 
You will experience the presence and faithfulness of God in your life like no other time. No other time. You will grow in your faith. You will grow in spiritual courage. Again, the kind of faith and courage that only comes from having gone through the crucibles of life on this side of heaven. Is your joy leaking? Plug that leak by securing your foundation of grace, the foundation of joy found in the grace of God, knowing that your salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. Plug that leak by keeping your relationship with Jesus Christ the number one priority in your life. And plug that leak by embracing His goals and His purpose for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us, a word that is just as relevant to us today as it was when it was written 2,000 years ago. Father, I, I pray this morning, especially that as we have talked about your grace to us through Christ, that if anyone who is listening to these words, who is considering making a decision to follow Christ with their life, that this will be the day of their salvation. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the awesome privilege that we have to pursue your purpose for us in our lives, even when that may include suffering. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.